I couldn't believe it. I was actually free. I can remember the feelings that washed over me so clearly. I was overwhelmed with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. As I stepped off the plane in North Fort Hood, Texas, I remember being so overwhelmed that I kneeled down and kissed the ground because I was home and I was free. You see, I had just spent the last 10 months of my life on an army deployment in the Middle East. And during my time deployed, I had missed out on many things. I'd missed out on time with my beautiful bride, Rachel. I had missed out on my time with you all, congregation. And I had missed out on what it felt like to be free. Believe it or not, when you're deployed to a combat zone with the military, you don't have much freedom. The army, they pretty much told me where to go, when to go, and how to get there. They told me what to wear and what to eat. I didn't make any decisions for almost 10 months. And as I stepped off the plane, I had this revelation that I was able to make my own decisions again because I was home and I was free. And I was filled with gratitude and thanksgiving and joy for about three weeks. And you can probably guess what happened. After being home for just a short time, I fell back into my old patterns of life. I took each day for granted. I forgot about what I had been freed from and freed to. And that joy, that thanksgiving, that gratitude that I had carried my first few weeks, it was gone. It was gone. And now what I realize is that I didn't actually need freedom from the army. I didn't need freedom from the army. What I needed freedom from was my focus, my constant focus, on temporary circumstances to provide my contentment. Let me say that again. I didn't need freedom from the army. What I needed freedom from was my focus on temporary circumstances to provide me contentment. You see, the truth is, friends, there is no temporary circumstance that can satisfy the depths of the human soul. It's not possible. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture today. Specifically, what we're going to see in this story this morning is that when we're focused on temporary circumstances for our contentment, we actually become enslaved to those circumstances. But when we shift our focus onto what is eternal, on what is everlasting for our contentment, we walk in freedom. We walk in freedom. So where are we at in the scriptures? Well, we're in the book of Acts, chapter 16, and we're following two early church leaders, Paul and Silas. If you open up your bulletin on page two, there's a map. And this map is of Paul's second missionary journey. I, can, I believe you can never have too many maps. And if you take a look at that map, in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see uh, the city, Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony in Greece, and that's where our story takes place today. The city was named after Philip of Macedon. You may not know who he is, 
but you know his son, Alexander the Great. And the city was set up for the, by the Romans to take care of Roman veterans. So it was filled with a lot of ex-Roman soldiers. Think of it like as an ancient Florida of sorts. And this is where Paul and Silas travel to preach the gospel, to preach this message of Jesus. And let's pick up the story in verse 16 and take a look at what happens. It says this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So Paul and Silas, they're in Philippi and they head to the edge of town to a place of prayer. And at some point along, this young girl starts following them. This girl who is oppressed by an evil spirit. Now, theologically speaking, there is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light is filled with God and the angels that are surrendered to God. But there's a kingdom of darkness that is those angels that rebelled. And these angels that rebelled, we refer to as demons. And one of these evil spirits is oppressing this girl. But the spirit's not only oppressing her, the spirit is giving her the ability to tell people's futures. And she's making money off this. She's not making money for herself. She's making money for her owners. And so this girl's situation, it's really grim. She's essentially being doubly trafficked. She's being trafficked physically, and she's being trafficked spiritually. And it would be easy for us to look at this situation and say, this is hopeless. There's no way this girl's getting free. But let's take a look and see what happens to her going on in verse 18. It says this. And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So this young girl, she's following Paul and Silas for many days, it says. And notice, eventually, Paul turns and he rebukes this spirit. He doesn't talk to the girl. He talks to the spirit. And in that moment, the spirit comes out of her. And she's freed. She exits her haze of demonic darkness and she receives freedom. There's only one problem. She has physical owners as well. And these men are not pleased. It says in the story, when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, that they dragged Paul and Silas before the magistrates. What I find most interesting about these owners is they're called owners, but they're the ones that are truly enslaved. They're truly enslaved. Think about it. These men have just witnessed a miracle. They've seen this girl freed from an evil spirit. And they totally miss it because all they're focused on is making another dollar. You see, these men, they're enslaved to their circumstance. And when this small shift in their circumstance happens, they are completely 
enraged. And although this girl, she ends up getting free, these men will leave our story in slavery. And friends, we, when we focus on our temporary circumstances like this men, when we, when we, like these men, when we focus on our job or our finances or our ability to make another dollar, when we focus on ourselves or our next romantic relationship to bring us contentment, it won't happen. In fact, we'll only remain discontent. And we end up being enslaved to the very things we sought contentment in. And that's not what God has for us, friends. That's not what he wants for us. You see, here's the issue. Temporary circumstances, they can't provide true contentment, no matter how good the circumstances are. You see, if good circumstances could provide contentment for the soul, our country would be one of the most content countries in the world. And last time I checked, uh, we're not too content, are we? You see, friends, we're seeking the wrong thing, and when we do that, we end up being enslaved to it. And what I see from this, seeking these temporary circumstances that cannot provide us contentment, what this points us to is the fact that we were designed for more than just this world. Did you know, friends, that you were designed for more than this? That you were designed for more than your next promotion? That you were designed for more than your next romantic relationship or your next car? You were designed for more than this. You were designed to spend eternity with your creator. And not eternity after you die. Eternity now. It begins today. And the tension of the Christian life is that we need to constantly have our attention, our focus shifted off of these temporary circumstances back on to what is eternal. And when God shifts our focuses back to what is eternal, we are actually able to walk in true contentment and freedom. So let's take a look at that. Going on in verse 20, it says this. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Remember, they're in Philippi. Philippi is a Roman colony set up for Roman military veterans. These slave owners, they're appealing to these Roman ideals. They say, these men are teaching things that we Romans can't accept. And the crowd buys into it. And in verse 22, it goes on. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Paul and Silas... They've just prayed for deliverance over a young girl, and she's been set free. They've just seen God move in a mighty way. And what's the response of the crowd? Well, they get persecuted heavily for serving God, and they're in the midst of these horrific circumstances. These men are disrobed. They're stripped. They would have most likely been chained over a pole in the town square, and they were beaten with rods. And this all happened in public. This means that those slave owners that dragged them there, they were heckling and laughing. They were spitting on these guys. This is a truly miserable situation. And maybe you're thinking, well, David, was it really that bad? Well, Luke goes on in verse 23, he says, And when they had inflicted 
many blows upon them. The NIV says when they were severely flogged, they were threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So these guys are stripped, beaten, thrown in prison, and chained to a wall. They've been robbed of just about everything you could be robbed of in life. Let me ask you a question. If you were facing these circumstances, what would be going through your mind? I know what would be going through mine. I'd be focused on everything I'd lost, on everything that I'd been robbed of. I mean, robbed of a fair trial, robbed of my dignity, robbed of my health, robbed of my sleep, robbed of my freedom. I would have focused on everything that was taken away. But that's not what these men do. Let's take a look at the next verse. I just want us to marvel at their response to these circumstances. In verse 25, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Let me ask you a question, friends. Does that seem like normal behavior to you? Does that seem like normal behavior? These men have been publicly humiliated, beaten, and thrown in prison. And yet they are filled with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. They are in chains, and yet I think they were more free than those slave owners could ever be. And I think the central word to define the entire scene, what's going on in this prison cell, is focus. You see, when we've taken a beating in life, when we've been body slammed, we're going to focus on something. And most of us focus on what we've lost. We obsess on what we've lost in our situation. But Jesus, he wants to free us from our self-obsession. And I believe in this moment, these men, their focus moved off of themselves towards the generous work of Jesus. In this moment, their focus moved off of what was temporary. Their temporary circumstances were terrible and moved on to what was eternal. You see, these men, the message that they had brought to Philippi was about a generous God that had entered into a broken planet. And he had come and generously offered up his life so that we could spend eternity with him. And though they were in the midst of terrible circumstances, though they had been robbed of many things, they knew that there were certain things that could not be taken away. They'd been robbed of their dignity, robbed of a fair trial, robbed of their health, but they knew that there were certain things that they could not lose. You see, they knew that they were in Jesus and that Christ was in them. They knew that when Jesus returned one day for the restoration of all things to bring in a new heaven and a new earth, that every tear would be wiped away and that all wrongs would be made right. They knew that this world, it wasn't their final home. You see, they knew. Part of me wonders, even though this verse is short, that they were singing hymns and praising God 
if one of them turned to the other and said, you know, he did this for us. He did this for us. Jesus was put on trial wrongly by the Romans. And if you remember, the Romans severely flogged him and they beat him and they did not stop there. They made a mockery of him until they hung him upon the cross. And yet, throughout his entire situation, throughout his crucifixion, Jesus remained completely free. And so did these men. And what they show us is that when we choose what is eternal over what is temporary, we remain free throughout this life, no matter the circumstance, whether deployed or at home, whether enslaved or free, whether in riches or poverty. And the beautiful thing is when God raises us above our circumstances and we walk in our freedom, we actually do something. We carry that freedom to other people. And that's what we see finally in this story. In verse 26, let's see these guys carry this freedom to the jailer. It says this, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. So Paul and Silas are in prison. An earthquake happens in the middle of the night. It awakes this jailer who was sleeping and everything's pitch black. And the jailer unsheathed his sword, not to use it on someone else, but to use it on himself because he knew that in Rome, if you lost a prisoner, it cost you your life. And as he's getting ready to take his own life, he hears this voice cry out from an open prison cell. And the voice says, don't harm yourself. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And it's Paul and this jailer. He's totally freaked out and he calls for lights. And the, they bring in lights and he sees these men in their cell with the chains that have fallen off of them. He sees these men that had the opportunity to run and he looks at these guys and I love what he says. He says, what must I do to be saved? You see, this jailer witnesses these men walking in complete freedom. And he knows he needs it. And I love Paul's response in verse 31. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And the scriptures go on to explain how this entire family believes and how they are freed through the finished work of Jesus, and they are baptized. And I love the way the story ends because the Roman soldier, he goes from being suicidal to being filled with complete joy after witnessing the freedom that Paul and Silas were walking in in that jail cell. Now, for some of us here this morning, we're like that Roman jailer. We've never taken that initial step to be freed from our circumstances. Well, friends, this morning's the morning. You're here for a reason. God planned for it. Others of us are maybe like I was when I got back from my deployment and we're looking to our temporary circumstances to bring us contentment and freedom. And they can't do that. Friends, the call for all of us is the same. Jesus wants to bring us back to him, to what is eternal. He wants us to lift our eyes 
off of what is temporary onto what is eternal. So in just a moment, we're going to pray together, and I just want to invite you to pray with me. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit at first to reveal to us maybe where we've put our focus so that he can redirect our focus back to him. And then at the end of our prayer time, I'm going to invite everyone to just repeat a simple prayer after me. So let's just go before the Holy Spirit in silence. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, please reveal to us in this moment where we have put our focus. Lord, now I ask that you would redirect our attention off of what is temporary back to you. Now, friends, I invite those of you who are comfortable to repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me. Redirect my attention redirect my focus to you. Amen.